And when you take that moment of kindness and honesty to tell them how they are being received, it creates a variable of change in the complex adaptive system that is their emotional intelligence and gives them the ability to rise. These walks have made me the biggest believer that social confidence is a muscle. And all you have to do is get in enough reps. Welcome friends to Obviously the Future, the show that explores the massive trends that will shape our world in conversation with the trailblazers, the nonconformists, and the hidden experts who are building tomorrow, today. Who do we have today, Caitlin? Today, we have Elle Beecher. She is the founder of Boardwalks, an innovative social community concept that she's pioneered over the last year in Austin that brings together community members and sets a new standard for how people interact with each other. Elle has gone viral on Twitter twice in the last couple months for these walks and her insight on social connection. And I'm excited to dig in. Yeah, I discovered her through this these viral tweets and... Uh... I just loved her reaction to them. I think she's handled the, the first tweet, especially with incredible grace and excited to talk more with her. Uh, hey, all, it's amazing to have you here. Uh, let's get right into what the people want, the viral tweet. That's, this is how I was introduced to you, was that tweet from some account that was basically like, we're curing cancer with JavaScript in, in 2013. Now, local woman goes on walk. <laughs> And this blew up and I'm just, yeah. I have so many questions about this, but first, how do you, how did it feel when you first read that oh. when it first came across your desk? Oh, wow. So for the audience, that was the first time I've ever been roasted for the walk <laughs> to that scale. I was at a bookstore here in Austin, ironically buying two books for my regular walkers based on the topics that they brought to the walk. So I, one of the topics was how to make friends as an adult. And the other one was navigating life transitions. So I just had this like really wholesome, like birthday gift extravaganza moment. And then I get in my car and see you've been mentioned in a tweet and I open it and I'm like, oh, excellent. <laughs> so it was like a mix of emotions. But to be honest with you, I was pretty excited because I was waiting to be roasted. Like I was waiting for somebody to be like, this is such a quaint idea that makes no sense. It's so simple and it's silly. And I was like, oh, all right. Like, here we go. I was so excited. So I actually stayed in my car for like two hours in that bookstore parking lot replying to people like I dropped everything that day to reply to people I quote tweeted it and I made a correction oh yeah I and so the, the reply was like quintessential it was like to me it, it reminded me of Michelle Obama when they go low we go high it was such a great response you captured you. the situation so well Thank you. Thank you for saying that because you would be really surprised about the amount of people who reached out to me who I had never spoken with before, like founders who had exited multiple times, extremely successful people who were like, I see what you're doing and keep going. Like that was a badass response and go you and like, you know, I can look bigger and see that this idea is going to be huge. So it was actually really exhilarating and fun for me. And the strategy that I did going into the actual tweet itself, because I quote tweeted it, but I also went right into the arena 
if you will. And I replied to people and I was like, any productive comments? Because there were quite a few unproductive comments, but the ones that were challenging the idea, I wanted to answer because to me, those people were being curious and that's my person. So I had an opportunity to win over people who are a little skeptical, but had follow-up questions. And I can, I can defend this idea and my vision all day long, 24 seven. So let me just hop in there and do that. It pretty much dominated my entire day. I mean, I threw everything out the window and then my entire cow hold was like replying to Twitter trolls. In summation, what I feel about that viral tweet is that I am building for a very specific person, someone who is curious, kind, and open-minded. And somebody who would see what I'm doing, not be curious enough to ask me questions directly or come on the walk and experience it for themselves is just not my target audience. So I'm not building for you. And I don't care if you don't see it because I see it and my target audience, the people who I want to be members of my community and my movement see it. So basically, Go ahead, drive up that engagement. Help me find the people who I'm building for. Do you think the original poster will come to a walk? Yeah. I think he he seemed more curious after, like, you think he realized that maybe he didn't get it totally right. I agree. You know, I hope he does. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that because we got a couple of curious folks off the viral tweet who were really skeptical. One of the men, it was an older guy who was actually in VC, probably in his 50s, had come on the very next walk after that viral roast. I didn't know that he was there. So this guy went through the entire walk and he came up to me at the end and he shook my hand and he was like, you know, I was skeptical, but that was fucking phenomenal. And I see it now. Awesome. And it was like a movie scene moment. And I wish I had it on video. So anyone who's curious, if you saw that that Twitter roast and yeah. you're a curious person, come on down. I would love yes. for you to experience the magic. <laughs> yes. This is this is proof that there's no such thing as bad press. It, this is a case in point. Absolutely. I mean, the there's so much good that came from it. And I also got hundreds of signups and hundreds of applications to host walks in other cities off yes. of that roast. So thank yes. you for the roast. Yes. I Before things go too too in depth here, let's. You said you could defend the vision all day. Can you give us some of the backstory here? What's the what is the vision? How did this come to be? What's the pain point you saw out there? Oh my gosh! Yes. So the boardwalks are a weekly event where curious people walk five miles and brainstorm. And it sounds very simple, but there are ingredients in here in a format that I basically invented over the last 59 weeks of doing this every week that create what I like to call planned serendipity, meaning that you have people who are bound by a shared intention and shared value set, curious, kind, open-minded, who are all ages, all backgrounds, all industries, meeting at the same place to flow and see where the conversation takes them to brainstorm. It's not to network. It's not to hand out business cards. It's not to make friends. It is to show up with no expectations in a low pressure environment and follow the flow. And that kind of setting does not exist 
anywhere that I've looked for it. Because when I first moved to Austin, I told myself so many times, I know there are other people like me out there who are, they would be social if they had the right space. They are lifelong learners. They go down the rabbit hole until three in the morning by accident because they found something on YouTube and they started researching it. Where are those people? And what the walks were created to do is bring those people across all backgrounds together for planned serendipity to increase your chances of having a life-changing conversation and really speed up the process of instantly connecting with people because of those shared values. So you're not going to meet your friend or your best friend in your first conversation, but maybe on your fifth. So what I'm doing is speeding up the process of genuine connection by leading and maintaining those shared values, curious, kind, open-minded. So that is the vision. And I did not see it being built for in real life in any event. And I went to over two a week for a full year doing field research for any event that looked like it was trying to do that. And in my opinion, they all failed. So that is where the boardwalks came to be. For our audience, I will say I've been on two boardwalks, want to go on more. And the basics are it's 8 a.m., you, we meet at a coffee shop in Austin and you walk five miles, like 10,000 steps. Uh, mm-hmm. It takes about two and a half hours and everyone get, is in a circle at the beginning where you say what you are interested in talking about. And I agree with you. There's nothing else like it. Everything else is like a happy hour or a thematic focus that maybe the organizers are interested in promoting themselves as opposed to you know, thinking very carefully about the connection between people. So how did you come up with that? Wait, 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 Caitlin, I want to go deeper before we, so and you're in that circle, give me some examples of what people say. And then does the circle break up and people start walking around, paint the picture of how this, how do you end conversations? I have so many questions. (laughs) Yeah. You want to take it, Caitlin? It could be more interesting than a review. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'll start and then Elle can can chime in because, well, first of all, Elle does an amazing job of setting the scene. So she says, here are the ground rules, curious, kind, open-minded. One of the key ones is you're like, there are places, this is not a dating scene. You should see if you can talk to at least five people per walk. You can move seamlessly in and out. And then there's a lot of people at the board in the boardwalks now. So last one I went to split into two groups and they wanted to talk about new friends. I, I would say it's not professional. Like mm-hmm. no one's there to be like, I'm here to network to, well, that's one of the rules too, is you can't sell anyone anything, but it's clear that people are not like, they, they are not there for that. They are, want to have more personal conversations. And then everyone begins to go and you m- might turn to the person next to you and just strike up a conversation and go from there. And then one of the things I also really like about the boardwalks is probably like 10 or 15 minutes into it, we stop for a group photo at this pier every week. And that's kind of fun too, and helps shake it up because then you might have a natural transition point. Yes. Fantastic explanation, Caitlin. You knocked it out of the park. (laughs) So we're in this parking lot. There's 50 plus people and we're in this giant circle. And then I go into the middle of the circle and start twirling around like Willy Wonka saying these ground rules for like three to four minutes. And this is a speech that I very methodically created months ago, actually as a result of somebody coming on the walks to speed date 
it was in that moment of severe awkwardness where I was uh, caught not knowing how to handle it that I sat down, almost had like an existential crisis on behalf of the walks and was like, I need to create a walk utopia and enforce the rules of my utopia regularly to make sure that this never happens again. We hear rules and you're like, oh yeah, community rules. It's just a page on a website that literally no one ever reads and they scroll right past. Like these rules are foundational to the event. Like I take these rules so seriously that I say this every single week, that three to four minutes and my host in San Francisco and my host in every other city, which I'm about to launch more, very exciting. They follow this exact format and I train them on how to, first of all, what to say and how to deliver it. First, you got to be the weirdest person in the parking lot to make everyone else's comfort level rise. Because these events draw a specific kind of person, a majority introverts, actually. Like introverts love this event format because you don't have to make direct eye contact. You don't have to like go up to people awkwardly in a weird bar that's super loud. I mean, it draws a specific type of person, right? So these people are, are a little bit quiet sometimes when they first start coming or a little bit more shy. So you've got to be, as that walk host, as that Willy Wonka in the middle of the circle, you've got to be like shamelessly going for it high energy, like college orientation leader to raise the collective comfort level at eight in the morning. And so it, there's so, it sounds really simple, but there's so much intentionality into every one of the parameters of the walk, like the Saturday 8am, the most inconvenient time and day in the history of the world was picked by design because I don't want just anybody coming to this walk. I want to make it hard. I want to bond yeah. people by the very fact that they could show up yeah. because it's hard. Like we're all looking around like, dang, you really got out here at eight in the morning. Like, look at us. Every single part of it is on purpose and you don't know it like any yeah. good product. The best products you just feel as seamless and you just use them and you're like, wow, that was an incredible experience, but you don't really realize it. You don't realize why you don't realize the ingredients that made you feel that way, but you just feel it like that is exactly how I designed the walks, every single part of it. <laughs> and you, Amazing. We, we've spoken a couple of times and you've given me some really interesting examples of times that people have come to the walk and you've helped them that th their social skills maybe needed a little work. Could you just cite some of those examples and how you helped them understand how to be a good community member? Oh, yes. So so that I'm really glad you brought this up because this is the non-obvious part of it that when everybody sees the walk from the outside, they think, oh, wow, these are just a bunch of people who show up and they go on a walk. Oh, how simple. But what they don't see is that on every walk at this point, I am having at least one feedback conversation with someone face-to-face. -face. Like these are hard conversations. These are conversations that are based on people coming to me because the community is so strong at this point. I mean, we have pe two people who are tied for the most attended. There's been 58 in Austin and they've both come over 45 times because it's every week. So these people, I mean, they're my regulars. They are out here and the community self-sustains because they see things that may be against the rules or something they want to bring to my attention. They come to me as boots on the ground and say, Hey, I saw this. 
you probably should talk to that person. Even if it's not in violation, it's proactive. Th those conversations have to be had because the second you let something slide, then people test that boundary and then it becomes a free for all and the magic is gone. So that community management is so critical. And I think my, my favorite part of the community management is the road to redemption that I give people when they are in violation or potential violation of a ground rule. So I'll give some examples. One of the ground rules is to be curious, right? Hard thing to enforce, but there was a woman who joined the walks a couple of months ago who first time she came, spent the whole two hours kind of offloading about the pain she was experiencing in her life and her dating experiences to this one person. And that goes against being curious. We're creating two-way flow here. We are not creating a space for unpaid therapy. And I will not let members of my community be on the other end of that because that's not why we're here. So if you really drill it back to the first principles of the walk, the intention is energizing conversations with two-way flow. So that goes against the rules. So we had a conversation directly with her and these are done very delicately and they're actually via a playbook that I created. So some to give you an example, you can't sell, you can't promote, you can't speed date, you have to be curious, there has to be two-way flow, you can't be combative or aggressive in your energy, closed-mindedness. These are soft traits, right? And I've created a decision tree playbook on, if this happens, you say this. If they say this, you say this. And that's what I've been inventing because it doesn't exist. Trust me, I looked for it over the last year on every one of my 59 walks at this point so that I can scale those community management strategies to other hosts. So that's one example of how to enforce against somebody who is technically breaking the be curious rule. So a lot of my community management approach is rooted in constructive feedback. It is not at all to make someone feel shame. And I take yeah. a lot of inspiration from Brene Brown on this and her work on shame and vulnerability. It is not to isolate. It is to say, Hey, I've noticed an intention mismatch here. I wanted to talk to you about it. What do you think? I would be happy to have you continue joining if you can rethink and recalibrate the energy and intention you bring on the walks. And there have been multiple times where because I took the time to have that conversation, instead of just hitting the block button in real life and being like, you're kicked out, goodbye. Like it's never like that. It is always, hey, here's a path. Here's what I see. Recalibrate or consider going to other communities, other resources, because this isn't the right intention. And we need to make sure that everyone comes experiences where, why, and how this space is designed. And believe it or not, even though I've, I said, I've had these conversations at this point on every single walk, at least one of them, it has never gone badly when you approach it that way. And it's, it's hard to do that in real life. It takes some cojones to go up to someone and to really just say the quiet part out loud right there. But I think people, you plant a seed in them that grows into expanded self-awareness. 
So that woman who came and was having one-sided conversation about her pain, there were actually a couple of people that had happened with, and they took some time away from the walks and then came back like two, three months later and were a different person. And were like, I feel like I can contribute the way that these walks were designed now. And now there's some of my favorite people in the community. So when you approach people with grace and a growth mindset and give them the choice to recalibrate and show up differently, you really create like almost super fans in people because you told them something, you told them a truth that everybody else has just avoided saying to them for potentially their entire lives. Maybe I'm going too in the weeds here. No, I think that's super insightful. And I think it gets to the idea of emotional intelligence yeah. And that's a concept that pe- that is thrown around a lot. And often people think, oh, emotional intelligence is some- something that women are good at and men are bad at. And you can't really learn. Like you either have social skills or you, or you don't. But it seems like that's definitely something that can be learned and taught. There's also the willingness to embrace awkwardness part that mm-hmm. just is like completely mind boggling to me. <laughs> like, even if I could identify that as the correct action in a situation, like she said, the cojones to go up and I would avoid that at all costs. Exactly. There would be nothing that would make me want to engage in that conversation. Yeah, but, but being the facilitator is being the L or the facilitator is different than being, than being someone on the walk mm-hmm. and, and having low emotional intelligence, yes. like the woman who was talking yes. about you know, and then reflecting and coming back with just a little bit more emotional intelligence to know that if I want to be part of this community, yes, this is how I have to engage. At the end of the day, and this is how I see that. And first of all, thank you for saying that it's hard because the thing is these things, when I tell people, they're like, oh, I could do that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saying that because I feel like in theory sounds so easy. It's like, oh, of course someone broke the rules. I'll just go and talk to them. But you're looking someone in the eyeball. And you're saying something very uncomfortable that they have probably never been told before. This is the real yes. thing that gets me going. They've never been told how they are being perceived and received by other people. And when you take that moment of kindness and honesty to tell them how they are being received, it creates a variable of change in the complex adaptive system that is their emotional intelligence and gives them the ability to rise. Like they could probably just stay in that state for their entire lives if you didn't take that moment to say, hey, you know, I care. And I wanna tell you, I care enough to spend this time with you and tell you how I'm receiving you right now. And so I would say to your point, Caitlin, I 100% think that emotional intelligence and social awareness can be expanded. I do not think it's something you're born with and it's unchanged. I have seen it with my own eyes every week expand and the people who come on my walks, especially like just to zoom in on one of them, social confidence. These walks have made me the biggest believer that social confidence is a muscle. And all you have to do is get in enough reps. And you think about on the walks, every if you come on a walk every week, and you talk to five people every week, that's five people, 10 people, you know, 15, 20, you keep going. Like I said, some people have been over 40 times. That's a lot of conversations on a weekly basis. And I have seen of the regulars who come almost every week, 
a transformation in how they show up. People who were really shy, really awkward, really quiet in the beginning, or a little bit off-putting, if I'm being honest, like somebody with hard energy that was hard to connect with, are now the bell of the ball. And so I know that these walks are the perfect low pressure solution to building social confidence within people who are amazing people, curious, kind, open-minded, but maybe they've never had the ability to like get out there and flex those muscles for conversation and to actually grow like in a space that's growth oriented for conversation. I don't think there's a binary. You're either a good conversationalist, you're a bad one. You can grow to be a good one. If there's a space that exists for you to do that, that's what the walks are. Can you talk about how you design for introverts and why they're drawn in particular to the walk? Yes. So in all of our three friend groups, I know that we have that one friend who is so fascinating and such a good conversationalist and can talk about anything, but they never go out. They don't go to events. You can't pull, you got to pull teeth to get them to join you at anything. And you're just like, why? This person is so great. That's the introvert's dilemma is they're so great. They love one-to-one connection. They love going deep on topics and deep in conversation. And there are no events where they can meet new people who are also probably like that and then make almost like an instant friend. So when I think about the people that I'm building for, even though it's more general because extroverts and introverts can be curious, kind, open-minded, the introverts experience of the walk is something really special because it's a format that is designed to, like we talked about before, help you grow, but it's also designed to have zero pressure and nobody is looking at you. Nobody's judging you. You don't feel, you don't have to feel the need to crack into a, a group, a circle of people at a bar and there's seven people in that group. And now you got to awkwardly make your way over there and say, Hey, I'm Caitlin. It's nice to meet you. And now you're having an awful conversation. And they would just rather avoid that situation, like the plague than even attempt to go in there. And so where are the social experiences for introverts? outside of maybe book clubs, but that's still intimidating or areas where you're going into a space, but it's still a room, you still got to crack in. It's like, how do you eliminate that cracking in? And please, Caitlin, with your experience as an introvert, is that the part of it that pains you? Yeah, it's definitely that. What you've done that's unique is by setting the context and the community values, you you're you're actually building up the social confidence to be like, I don't need to have a preset agenda with a group of people and a purpose. I can free flow and I feel comfortable doing so because this the setting has been correct and the community is open and ready for this. Absolutely. That's why I ask you, because before I answered it, I was like, I wonder if Caitlin experienced this herself, because the answer to your question of how do you build for introverts is you eliminate the part that introverts hate which is cracking in and having subpar conversations or having to go to a bunch of niched out events where it's like, oh, let's get together and do this specific thing. And it's like, well, you're not actually connecting with people. You're learning and you're implementing something you're learning. But like, where's the connection in that, right? So the walk, and this is, you know, I would would love for you to come, Arvin, so you could could experience this for yourself. But yes. After I'm the, sold already. I'm, I, oh, I, I, it's, it, I'm so in. Yay. I think you yes. would love it. Yes. But 
imagine after this big circle breaks, because this is when it comes to the design of the walk, uh, a lot of the inspiration comes directly from the community. So one of our regulars is named Takashi, and he's an experienced designer at IDEO. And he gave me this phrase many months ago, tight parameters loosely held. And that is very much how I see the walk design. So the tight parameters would be that five miles, which I experimented with a lot over mm -hmm. the, the time frame. these different lengths of walks. Five miles is what I found to be the perfect amount of time where you can get into that like social groove where you get all kind of like the awkward nerves out of the way on miles like one to two. Then you have the photo spot, which switches you up a little bit right on time. And then you have the rest of the walk where you just kind of give up. Like you like stop judging yourself and you're like, you know what? Like I'm here, we've got two more miles to go. We're all sweating like ogres. We're in this shared experience. Like I'm just gonna bring my full self at this point. And that's where you get the best conversations is on the tail end. So what I found is that when it was shorter, it was cutting off right at the good part. It has to be that long. So I could say way more on that, but that five miles, Saturday, 8 a.m., intentional friction is what I call that. It's hard to get to by design on purpose so that every single person who comes really wants to be there. Third type parameter is what I call non-invitation, meaning that this entire time for the last 59 weeks, I have never once directly invited anybody, not one person. The only way that I've ever invited people is through a single tweet with the walk photo. That's it. And everybody who comes, comes from word of mouth, which I track and also from Twitter, but we're not on any other event platforms, Eventbrite, Meetup. I've had so many of them say, let us put your walks on your platform. No, because I do not want a lot of people to come. I want the right person to come. I want people who, you know, Caitlin comes and I would trust anybody who Caitlin brings because she gets it and she's my person. So I'd much rather be building a community based on trust and mutual understanding of why we're here. And if that's 50 people, I'd take 50 people who really get it over 500 who don't any day of the week. So that's another way that the walk is designed that tight parameter. Wait, I'm, I'm a little confused on that one though. So why do you believe Twitter to, to be that? Why do you think Twitter is the right funnel that's going to have a higher kind of click through rate of the right person? versus going versus more broad marketing. Twitter is the exact kind of person who I want on the walks. Twitter are people who go down rabbit holes. It's the learners, it's the readers, it's people who see interesting tweets and want to talk about it and send it to their friends. It is the only social media platform that gets me as close as I possibly can that is also discoverable, right? So think about like the discovery feature of Twitter how the walk tweet works. And you see, it's the same tweet in the same format every week. I change up the first little line, but it's the photo. Join us every week, Saturday, 8 a.m. And the topics that we discussed, which I hard code with my thumbs every week. And that's built into the format. I've collected over 2000 topics at this point, just on the Austin walk. And we've done five walks in San Francisco and all of my hosts, like my host Anessa Fidel, is trained to collect all the topics as well. So this is something that I'm like very methodical about. But Twitter is the perfect avenue because if Caitlin likes my tweet, people who Caitlin follows see my tweet. And that gets me a high likelihood of bringing in the right person. Because if Caitlin's the right person and she likes it, it's probably going to be put in front of people like Caitlin. So that's why I chose Twitter. 
And that's why it's not any, anywhere else. Wow. You know, I, I'm not that big of a Twitter person. And <laughs> I feel like there are these people who just, they feel like Twitter has brought so much to their life. I feel like it's the weirdest social network in terms of the diehards. Yes. So that's the thing. Twitter is how I get in front of new people. It's the best discovery engine that I, I can possibly get because I've thought about it really deeply. And I thought about like, how would event be, Eventbrite be? And how would Meetup be? And I thought through every platform and I was like, it's gotta be Twitter. And then when Caitlin joins from Twitter, she'll bring you, even though yeah. you're not on Twitter. And then that's what keeps that healthy loop. So those two sources, Twitter and word of mouth are like my bread and butter. And when people come to me and they're like, this could be so much bigger. And why aren't you posting on Instagram? And why don't you have any posts anywhere else? I'm just like, it's all by design right now. I, I don't want to bring in a massive amount of people. I care about the quality of the conversation over the quantity of people who show up. We met at a Nick Gray two hour cocktail party and I was like, oh, I'm new to Austin. I got to, and you know, he had a big circle and you talked about the walks. And I was like, I got to go to Elle's walks. And I just think it's amazing that you both in very different ways have very thoughtfully designed products on combating loneliness and meeting people in person. Yes, it is. It's his going to his events. Whenever we do these intro circles at his events and you talk about like what you do for work, and there's actually an interesting insight there because part of my event is actually breaking that habit. It's breaking that tendency. And sometimes when people join the circle, like after the fact, like let's say they walk in kind of late, they will default to saying what they do for work. Even though it's not what you do for work, it's what you want to discuss today. They'll be like, oh, and I'm a nurse and it's so great to be here. And I'm like, that's so interesting because that it demonstrates right there that we have this habit of just defaulting to tying what we do for work into our identity. And it's like, no, this isn't the space for that though. Like, okay, great. That's awesome. But I've never once talked about the work that I do on the walks. And people have asked me sometimes and I'm like, I actually have a boundary that I don't like to talk about it. Like I will talk about anything else but that. So it's it's kind of interesting you bring up Nick because it's like what I'm building in some ways, the format that we both have created, which I, I love both of them and they serve their purpose really well. Like I've been on dozens of two hour cocktail parties and I will, you know, the, choir, the choirs from heaven will open every time I think about them because I love them for what they're designed to do. But my walks are designed to do something very different. And I feel like the experience is a little bit different. What do you think, Caitlin? Oh, it's totally different. It's a totally different experience. What's great is that it's intentionally designed in real life experiences that have been productized and are now at, at the, the part of scaling and that's what I think why you're on the Obviously the Future podcast is because we think that that's obviously the future. Yes. And I think too, going to a similarity between both of our formats, a lot of the time when I attend events these days, and I don't know how you both feel about this, I'm waiting for the sale. Like I am waiting for the, yeah. hey, you know, we're sponsored by, or hey, I actually have this course 
that I sell. And hey, actually, we get an exclusive yes. membership in my community. And I'm just like, oh, there it is. It's like every yeah. event I go to, I'm like, what is it? When's it going to happen? And then it always does. And I'm like, that's so lame. Oh my, like, why can't we just gather somewhere and just have no strings attached? And you would not, you'd be shocked the amount of people who come up to me and they're like, what's the catch? And I'm <laughs> like, there's no catch. There's no catch. Like, this is a catch-free zone. I mean, come on. Yeah. So I just, I bring that up because I feel like that for some reason, any amount of like community or gathering these days is for some like subtle hidden motive or hidden intention. And that's why I think we have this disconnect socially because people are they weren't really going to events before, especially if they were introverted, but especially now when they feel like there's a hidden sale, they're, yeah. they're even more feeling like, I can't, I don't want to go out. What's the point? Oh, it's going to be so awkward. Oh, I'm going to get some MLM person coming up to me, or I'm going to get some life coach who wants to be, make me their client. So agenda-free neutral spaces that are designed to actually facilitate connection without really asking for anything in return, I believe is the future. And I've seen like what that creates in people. Like when you give people a space to genuinely connect and feel belonging without asking them for anything, but their presence, they're like, holy crap, I'm going to come to this thing every week. Like that's what happens when there's an agenda free space. So I want to segue to talking about how to scale coincide with these ideas. So how do you keep an agenda-free zone? How do you think about scale? And in the context of something IRL versus online, like in the community management space, how, how much do the lessons you've learned? Because one of the things, I don't know what the age demographic is of the people that join, I, I suspect it's pretty wide, but I wonder with younger generations, are you seeing something different? How much do they value these in-person connections? And can is there a way that this can be replicated in an online space? Oh yeah. Great question. So I'll start with scale. So in, in real life experiences and creating one that is on a weekly basis, following a specific format with a specific culture and energy and community management to keep that level of like trust and fidelity to the intention is the hardest problem I have ever worked on because it requires learning how to have, well, first of all, the consistency, you know, somebody who is willing to sign up to make this thing happen. And even if I can't do it, if I'm not in the city, I will find someone and train someone to step in my place and make it happen. So the way I think about scaling the boardwalks is, well, first of all, I intend to bring the boardwalks to every city because what I'm building is Almost if you think about like Disney World versus Disneyland, I'm I'm inventing in real life experience parody so that everywhere you are in the United States and beyond, you can pencil in two hours of energizing conversation on Saturday, eight in the morning, and you can have this predictable experience. And just like you'd go to Magic Kingdom at Disneyland and Magic Kingdom at Disney World and have a similar, if not identical experience, especially in how you feel, that's how I'm thinking about scaling the walks. So over the last year, I've had hundreds of people apply to host and I've interviewed them. And I have a very specific set of questions that I ask because not anybody can host the walks. It takes a very specific kind of person with a specific energy, 
an extroversion, an ability to read people, an ability to have hard conversations, because like we talked about, not everybody's comfortable with that. So if I chose somebody who wasn't comfortable doing the community management, it'd fall apart in that city. Then you'd have a free-for-all, right? Where people are projecting their own intentions onto your event. Then that chapter is not in line with the other chapters. So how I think about it, and this is really difficult, is like, how do I scale so intentionally and some would say slowly, that's why I'm only in two cities. We have Austin and San Francisco because I'm alpha testing my playbooks in San Francisco. And I'm using, you know, with the help of Adele, okay, when you encounter this problem, what did you do? What did you learn? What did you want from me? Was I, did I not provide something to you that created unclarity and refining all of the things that I built to make sure that when I scale to 20 cities, nothing breaks. Like I'm taking my sweet time because after talking to so many people who have scaled in real life experiences, like one of the women who came on the walk a couple months ago, scaled TEDx and, and she admitted that there were some mistakes there. And I learned a lot from how she approached it. And what I walked away from that conversation thinking was, I don't care about speed. I have no ego about how many cities I'm in, but I will build this thing so that I can go from two cities to 50 seamlessly because I have been so methodical about the parts of my process that hold, which ones break and fixing what breaks. So that's how I'm thinking about scale. I'll stop there because there's so much I could say, but if anything's interesting you want to pull on, I'm happy to talk more about it. Well, I think this is related, which is talking about the second viral tweet that happened, <laughs> I guess, last weekend, right? And it's now been viewed by 6.8 million people, 46,000 likes, 4,600 retweets. Tell us ab about that and why you think it really resonated. And what does that mean for not just the board walks, but the board? Yes. Oh my gosh. So to, to give you a look into the tweet, I was flying home or flying back to Austin from Florida and I was just in the airport at my gate reading the surrender experiment and an older gentleman came up to me and basically just said, great book. I wish I had that earlier. And he just kind of kept walking. And then I was like, really? Why? And he sat down and told me in 30, 45 minutes, the story of his life and how he was in a very high pressure job. He was Harvard MBA. He went into investment banking. And then at 35, he had an existential crisis and he gave it all up. He changed his life. He met his wife. He built multiple businesses. And then when I saw how he talked about his wife, I was like, wow, I really want to, like, that's what I wanted to dig in on. Like, I could have dug in on a lot of what he said, but I was like, tell me about your wife. And it was so impactful. It was just such an amazing conversation. It just felt like something that I couldn't believe I had that conversation. It was so resonant. And I hearkened back to years ago when I was in college, I had done this spinoff of the Humans of New York project, which is essentially going up to strangers on the street in New York and interviewing them about their lives and putting it on Facebook, Instagram, just a simple picture with a quote from your conversation. And I decided, you know what? I haven't written like that in a while. And I love writing like that. So let me use those techniques that I used all those years ago on this conversation. 
because I didn't record the conversation. I wasn't taking notes as he was speaking, but I decided, you know what, right before this plane takes off, like, let me just write this down and put it out there. So I tweeted it. Then there was no Wi-Fi on the flight. It was broken. So I was like off the radar for like two, three hours. I come back and at that point had like 4,000 likes. And I was like, whoa, like I literally turned my phone back on to this huge response. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Didn't see that one coming. But what it taught me was like, people really want to feel something real. And I think when they saw that this happened, like the fact that in 2023, two strangers could have a conversation in an airport that ended up being extremely meaningful is like, it's a novel idea because there's not a lot of moments for serendipity anymore because we're not present because we're looking down at our screens or we're in do not disturb mode in real life with headphones in. So the only way that that moment happened was because I didn't have headphones in. I was reading a book. He walked past me and said something. And I was curious enough to ask a question. And if that didn't happen, those conditions were not there. That tweet wouldn't have happened. So that is where it ties back to the walks, which is actually really kind of interesting because that's what the walks are designed to do. They speak to this exact desire in people to show up in a space that's non-intimidating for conversation. And you had said, Arvind, like, what's the age range? The youngest we've got is six months old, babies. And then the oldest we've got is over 70 of all ages, all backgrounds, all industries. So that is the magic. Like you can go on the walks and have airport conversations. Like you can have a conversation just like that one that resonated with so many people on the walks and people do every single week. So that's the kind of unexpected connection between the walks and the airport moment. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I think one of the other reasons it went viral, to, I totally see everything that you're saying, is also the content of the conversation about the partnership with his wife. Arvin and I are both married to amazing people, but neither of us met our significant others through dating apps, but that people are really seeking deeper connection and trying to find forums that facilitate in in their lives, you know, and not so surface. Yeah. And if you think about that too, in in just the changing dynamics of um, American culture, there aren't a lot of intentionally designed spaces on shared values. If you think about maybe church, right? Like that's what church used to be. That's what small towns used to do. But in the rise of cities, came the rise of disconnection and came the rise of kind of, oh, let's commoditize all of the, you know, let's meet up at a bar and have an experience based around Taylor Swift, but it's $50 and we're all dancing around and it's way too loud and we can't have connection. So all of the events that exist, even if they try to niche down on interest, they're not designed for connection. So you might go to that event and talk to nobody and that's not doing anything for you. That's not designed for you to actually have a conversation. So I think that where I've tried to design the walks is how do we create a space that we're, we have enough courage to maintain the values? These are people who are curious, kind, open-minded, and those people tend to really get along. And so you might have some romantic connection there because you have your own shared values that values are just behaviors, Right. If you're a curious person, you ask questions, you're interested, 
you're probably interesting, you're a learner, that value alone, take away kind and open-minded, like that's something that people would instantly connect with and bond on and be like, wow, you're my person. I love talking to you. So you get enough of those people in the same space on a weekly basis, you're definitely going to have some relationships pop out of that. Some businesses pop out of that. And I've seen this every week, relationship strategies, advice, businesses. There've been a couple startups created on my walks. Like so much has been created from the walks for the exact reason you just said, because we're in a space where everybody here just gets it. Everybody here is like me with my shared values. Shared values are so different from shared interests. Talk about the online piece. So what of this, what can, what part of this can scale online and how much of this is, is the in real life? Cause even this other viral tweet also had an, in, it's a real intimate conversation with someone in person. Are these things that can be replicated elsewhere? Yeah. So my singular focus right now is on what I consider the hard part, which is achieving in real life parity among multiple chapters. Because I believe that once you really nail down the physical in real life experience for people, the tech part is just easy. Like I really am not focused on what does an app look like to connect these people until the time is right, because I don't I'm very confident in my current product. I do not have the capacity to focus on digital and I don't have the capacity to do it right and to do it in a way that I'd be confident with. I don't want to port people onto a platform that doesn't resonate and that doesn't achieve like what I think they would actually like, because you only have one chance to make a first impression with a digital product. And I just, I refuse to release a sub bar product just to say that I have one. So my full focus right now is on the in real life and the, they are events. So I have ways to communicate with everybody who signs up. I've got an ever growing list, not only of people who attend, but people who are just curious enough to sign up on my website of which I've had thousands, literally just thousands of people who have never even been to a walk, but are like, I want to know more about this thing. Like what's going on over here? So long story short, when it comes to a digital product, that's not my focus right now, but it eventually will come into the play. What was the second thing? We had digital. Well, just online. Like, what do you think about these types of experience? How important is the IRL element? Yeah. So this is where, so while I'm not focused on creating a product for the digital component to what I'm building, What will come into play later this month is a digital arm that brings the in real life magic to social media and to a newsletter. So very similar to that airport tweet, actually, I'm going to use those skills, those profile writing skills to profile members of the board, people who come on my walks and to have those same amazing insight driven conversations with them and share that with people all around the country who can't go to a walk yet because I'm scaling very slowly. So that will be what you can expect on the digital side to kind of bring people into the mix and to create those feelings of connection and belonging in people no matter where they live right now because the in real life experiences haven't reached them yet. And then on social media, I'm doing a little bit of a different strategy because What I learned through doing a Humans of New York style project back in college is that when you have a really insightful, meaningful conversation with someone and they're they're talking about something very near and dear to them, it's not like they're talking about their elevator pitch. It's not linear. 
it's not a conversation that you can just record in one minute and then immediately blast out. Like that conversation I had with the man at the airport was like 45 minutes and I condensed it all into a paragraph for impact. And so I learned through my project years ago that it doesn't do well on video because of the nature of how people talk about these very meaningful moments. So I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach on social media and really bring people into the walk experience. So what I intend to ask people is uh, what topic did you bring today and why? And what is something you could give a board talk about, which is my take on TED Talks and something that I intend to do for in real life experiences. So bringing people together to just riff on things that they could talk about for like 10 hours. So that's how I'm thinking about the digital arm. It's very much uh, people focused, content focused until I can feel confident enough and have enough capacity to work on the digital product of what I'm building. Awesome. Okay. So obviously, obviously the future name of the pod. So we go with, with one segment we ask is hot takes. So we want to know, <laughs> what do you believe about the future that no one, no one around you. What is something obvious to you that no one else understands that you feel like you have to explain to everyone? Oh my gosh. Basically the entire walk. I mean, people really, I don't think that people understand the power of quaint ideas. And just because an idea is simple, just because we have a group of people walking five miles does not mean that it's just people walking five miles. Like I think people see something from the outside, they oversimplify it and they don't understand the feeling behind the idea. Like if you look at Scrub Daddy, he put a smiley face on a sponge and he's made over $200 million. That's a quaint idea. You look at Airbnb, it started by crashing in people's couches and floors and they famously were turned down by venture capitalists because they didn't believe that anybody would pay to do that and look how wrong they were so the power of quaint ideas what i've created is a quaint idea but it's an idea that is so massively powerful and works because i've seen it i've seen the power of it 59 times in a row 59 weeks in a row so what i would challenge everybody to do is just because an idea is simple doesn't mean that it's not impactful. And it's the most simple ideas oftentimes that win in the long term and that resonate and stick. I love that. I love that power of quaint that's ideas. That's, a, that's a, as a venture capitalist and a purveyor of the future. That's amazing. I, I will give credit. I actually was in a conversation yesterday on the phone with a mentor of my name, Julian, who said that, because if I can be vulnerable for a moment, there are times where I think I take people's attacks of the walks a little personally. And he reminded me, it's not about you. It's that they don't understand your idea and they don't understand the power of quaint ideas. So I can't take full credit for that quote. It literally was told to me yesterday, but like, it was so resonant that I was like, that is what, it's not about yes. me. Yes. Some people see it and others don't. Well, I, I'm going to send you after this, the, uh, the speech that Deion Sanders, do you know who that is? He's a, a, a very successful football player. Who's now the coach of Colorado university. And he's like turning around this team. And there's this speech he gave to his players about, how he takes like things personally. He's like, we're going to win because I take things personally. 
And behind every great leader and idea are people who are like, it's personal. That doesn't mean that you have to take things personally because you're offended or you're draining emotional energy, but especially in early stage, when no one believes you, you, it is deeply personal and it needs to be in order to like have the energy to explain it and scale it and get other people to believe. That's beautiful. That's exactly the conversation I had yesterday. So please send me that because I'll All right, probably, I will. let's go. That probably really get me hyped. So <laughs> yep. thank you. And uh, it, it, I might know what you're going to say here, but <laughs> Caitlin has this list. It's called my younger self, where she recommends books, timeless books that she wishes she had read earlier. So for our audience, do you have a book that you would recommend to your younger self? Oh my gosh, that is such a hard prop. That's a, oh my God, my brain's like short circuiting because that's such a hard question. But weirdly enough, the book in the viral tweet. Yeah. Just to it's bring like, it full circle, the yes. surrender experiment was extremely impactful to me. I think that as somebody who, like we were talking about, takes things personally, understanding the balance between having a really, really strong point of view and strong vision, but also allowing space for flow and allowing space for mistakes and for failure and how that book and some of the other things that I've done over the last two years is like transformed my relationship with perfectionism and has allowed me to say, I'm not going to show up and be a 10 out of 10 every day. And that's okay because it's on the really hard days. It's on the five out of 10 walks or five out of 10 days where I learn something that transforms the format and makes it better. Because if you keep hitting 10 out of 10, you have no room for growth. So I would say that book and just the idea of releasing expectations for a specific outcome and just flowing was transformative. And if I hadn't had that mindset shift I never would have even started hosting the walks because I would have been so ego-driven to say, oh my gosh, what if nobody comes? I'm not even going to try. And I really think that that is the reason where even though over the last year, hundreds of people have said, hey, I'm going to host a walk just like yours. Not one of them has done it. Because when you know the rubber meets the road, people hold themselves back because they don't want to look like a failure. And they are too committed to the outcome of success without realizing that it's a journey to get there. And you're not going to get 50 people on your first walk. You're going to get five. So that would be the book I recommend. It transformed my relationship with presence and attachment to outcome. Love it. (laughs) This has been an awesome conversation. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Yes. Oh, thank you for having me. I I cannot wait uh, to have you join a walk. Please come anytime. (laughs) 